The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pit Podcast. Get ready for contact. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and we're back for another episode. So this one might get a little heavy for anybody that's listening, yo, but we're going to go ahead and get into it, yo. So as most of you all know, I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I served in the 10th Mountain Division, Alpha Company 214, back in 2003 to 2006, and deployed to Iraq with some of America's most bravest and fiercest warriors in the infantry that fought in the war on terror, man. I served with some amazing men and women over the years, yo. So um, I consider myself honored and blessed to have fought next to these guys. And I mean, they're from different backgrounds, colors, religions, and they are literally all my brothers, yo. But as you all know, I've also been a police officer and in law enforcement now for the last 15 years of my life, yo. And who I am as a person before I started police work and who I am as a person now is completely different, yo. And, the, and I tell people the biggest thing difference now is how I see things and how I see people and how I see how the things we go through shape us. Yo. So before my, before I became a police officer, I had no clue about addictions, drugs. And I, I didn't really, I didn't grow up around that stuff. I knew it was around, but you know, nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it when I was in the military. Nobody talked about it after. Yo. So when I joined the police department is when I started, getting my first interactions with people that were addicted to substances, drugs, alcohol. Yo. And so for me, it was a new world. And my initial thinking was these people were all scumbags, that these people are just awful people. No, who does drugs? Who gets addicted to drugs? No, these people are subpar and subhuman. And that literally used to be my perception of people that did drugs, yo, that just had addictions. They were just bad people and that there was no place for them, no hope for them. Yo. But it wasn't until years after I after I got out of the military and been policing for a while yo, that I started getting messages from another friend that's not on this podcast show, but a guy I had served with that was an absolute badass and still is to this day, yo. But when it, you know, I got the the weird text message like, "Hey, man, my kid needs diapers," and I remember, "Oh man, that's my that's my homeboy, that's my that's my dude, that's a fellow dragon, man." So I sent them some money, yo, know, and and then I get another message, yo, like, yo, hey, man, I'm out of this and that, and I need, I need some money, man. Could you please help me, yo? And then I was like, man, I'll, I'll help you again, of course, yo. But like I said, and then I send the money, yo. Then you just start looking at them on social media, and it, you could look at them to tell that something wasn't right, yo. And then as I got further along in my police career, I realized that my brother at that time, it, he he was an addict, and I had no clue, yo, because. I didn't think that people heart charges that I served with you know, that fought for America that I fought next to on the battlefield, these fierce warriors that you know, I never thought that they would have have to struggle with addictions. That, that, that was never a thing for me. I thought that after you get out of the military, you live this high quality of life and they, you know, that you're disciplined in everything you do. You know, you're going to go into civilian life and be successful. You know, and I learned that that was not the case. You know, the military prepares you to go to war, you know, but, the military does not prepare you for life war. And recently in my, uh, I had another friend, a guy, we didn't serve together at the same time. He was in triple deuce. 
but I started getting these text messages and I knew what was going on because at that point in time, I had gained enough knowledge and experience to where I can tell an addict by how they're typing and how they're saying things. Yo, and this is my buddy, Chris. This is, I must drop his first name because we don't talk anymore, but that's not because, because I closed the door to him. I'm just waiting for my boy, Chris, to get to a point where he realizes he needs help and get help. Yo, but he started asking for random money and I was like, no, I can't do that for you, bro. Cause I knew what he was struggling with. But for me, it took a turn for the worse. And when Chris told me that his son had died, you know, and that he needed money for his son's funeral, you know, and, and I started asking questions as a cop, like, yo, Hey, I'm not going to send you the money. Tell me where your son's funeral is going to be at. Tell me what you need for the funeral and I'll buy it for you. And I remember he sent me a address for the funeral home and I called the funeral home and I asked them, do y'all have the body of this young child? They was like, no, there's nobody here by that name. And I text Chris like, hey, I called the funeral home. There's no, there's nobody there by that name. Oh, I think we, I gave you the wrong funeral home, man. I'm sorry. And the next thing you know, he completely takes down his social media, deletes everything, you know, and then I tried to reach out to his girlfriend or his wife at the time who was struggling as well. You know, she was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, yeah, but we're, you know, we're over here, we're struggling and you're asking all these questions. You're not going to help us or not. And she just hangs up the phone or, and then deactivates all the social media, you know, and that's when I realized you know, that America's heroes, they're, they're still human. And like I said, my perception of people that struggle with addiction has changed because I've seen America's fiercest warriors now struggle and suffer with addiction. And, it, and then my buddy I'm about to bring on, he and I served in Iraq years ago. Yo, I mean, a great dude. I mean, I love this guy. Yo, and I remember him, how he looked out for me when I got to the unit. And, it, and I looked up to this dude because I was like, this dude, I call you could almost call him a bumblebee. He's a big dude, but this mug, uh, bro, this dude could run. And I was like, man, how is this big boy from Ohio out here just trekking, yo? And man, it, and I, I looked up to him because he was such a great leader, yo. And then I started getting those messages from him as well not long ago. You know, when I was, and I saw it, I was like, there's no way he's battling this as well, yo, because he just never seemed to me to be that type of person. He's so strong. And the next thing you know, he's caught up in his addiction. But I tell people, one thing I've never done is I've never closed the door and turn my back on people I served with, you know? So rather it's, hey, you can call me and ask me for money. I'm not gonna send you money, but I will never close the door on you, but I will send you a meal. So me and my boy, Paul, and, and we've been chatting over the months, yo, and it's just been so good to see him going about his life getting clean. But the best thing is for me is that he came back and he's like, hey, I'm sorry for taking advantage of you. And it, it, you don't understand how as, as a man and as a soldier, how much it takes for somebody that's been battling addiction to reach back and say, look, hey, yo, bro, I'm sorry. And that's why I say I've never closed the door on anybody that I've served with because I love these guys. And when I say we've got each other's backs, we've I've got your back and I've got Paul's back and Paul's got my back. So I'm going to bring my homeboy Paul onto the podcast. Paul, what's going on, my man? What's up, man? Um, I'm just sitting here. I had a um, intensive outpatient till noon, and I'm just sitting in my room in my sober living uh, facility, Warriors Heart in Bandera, Texas. Man, well, brother, I'm definitely glad you're you're doing the things to get your life on track, yo. So, man, hey, before we get started and get deep into your recovery, but we're gonna start at the beginning of your life, yo. And 
tell the people where you're from. I'm sure you all can see the Ohio State University they, shirt. Um, yeah, I'm a Buckeye man. I was born in uh, Springfield, Ohio. Um, I'm 41 years old, so I was born in 82. Um, grew up a little rough. Uh, grew up in a city. Um, so I was exposed to, I heard your, um, your intro and, and I was exposed to that kind of stuff really early on in my life. Um, my parents were very young when they had me. So I would be in what you call the project buildings, like 10, 11 years old. Um, people smoking weed, people doing coke, um, just, it was always around me. So it was, uh. It was never a taboo thing to me as I got older, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I I did okay. I I I dabbled a little bit throughout high school. I still played sports. Um, played, went to junior college at College of DuPage, uh, up in Chicago. So I was I was playing, you know, a pretty decent level of football. Um, I didn't ever let that stuff take a hold of me until later on in life. Man, and then I joined the army soon after that. I stopped playing football. My dad saw my transcripts. He's like, nah, bro, you ain't going to keep, <laughs> keep paying for you to be up here. <laughs> man, so let me ask, man, so uh, what made you partake of drugs in the first place? Do you remember the first time using it? What was it? First time I ever used was with my uncle. I was 11 years old. Um, so my aunt is only nine years older than me. So her husband was 20, right? About the same age. So we were throwing darts in their apartment. And I looked up to him. You know, he's a cool dude. But he's an extremely Catholic dude. So, and I say that because I, all the Catholic people I've met in my life, and this is nothing against Catholic people, alcohol is not as big of an issue to them as it is to some other people. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just how I, I've seen it throughout my life. Oh, yeah. Um, so he goes to the gas station. It's just me and him. I remember he bought two 40s of uh, uh, Coke 45. And I'm sitting there like, you know, why's he got two 40s? And he cracked them both open, and one of them was mine. Man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> it wasn't about the liquor, it was about the like acceptance from him mm. that it was like a uh, uh, you know, like breaking bread type thing. Bonding, bonding, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that was the first time. It was the first time, and I remember I didn't feel too good after drinking that forty. I mean, it was well, the first time so I was drinking. And I yeah, I especially at eleven, bro. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That's but that's true. Damn, man. And then so, not long but... after that, I smoked weed with my cousin, same age, eleven years old. And that was just part of your everyday environment. It's just, just yeah, how life I mean, was around you. Yeah, yeah, it was just how life was around me. Um, you know, people would snicker about certain people like getting into like heroin and and maybe smoking crack and and stuff like that. But when it came to like weed and alcohol and even cocaine, man, it was kind of like wasn't really no big deal in my environment. You know, um, so I never, I never shitted on anybody that I seen having trouble either because my aunt, one of my aunts was a crackhead. She smoked crack forever. She's been five years clean now. 
I mean, Man, that's awesome. She smoked crack forever. So that I can remember. Um, and they, she was one of my favorite hands, even during, during that, all that. Uh, but I've seen how my family shitted on her because she was what she was going through. Um, but you know, I kind of understand that too, because when you're going through the stuff, like I, I heard in your intro, like bumming money from people and, and not being truthful about why you're bumming money from people. And, and you're playing this game that you don't really want to play, but it's the only way you know how to get what you can get next. Mm. You know, and it's it's not very honorable. It's it's really despicable. Um, but when you're in that mind, when you're in that frame of mind, it seems perfectly logical. That's all you can think about. It does. It seems perfectly um, logical. But you know what? I didn't have any. Uh, like addiction problems, I would dabble every now and then. Even like when I went home on leave from Iraq, I was doing. I did a bunch of cocaine that that deployment when I went on leave from Iraq because I was hanging out with my mm. friends. I don't know if you remember, but we we're in we we're in. Uh, was this your first deployment, or because I didn't? No, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the one with you. Oh four, okay. Oh four, because I went well, home during Christmas. Before we get into that, let me stop. I want to. Okay. I want. I want people to understand. At what point, when did you join the army and why? And was drugs ever an issue? Because, you know, you got to go to the recruiter and take P-tests and all that. I got a good story about that, actually. <laughs> so I joined the army. I joined the army in August of 2001. Okay. Um, I went to MEPS. And the reason why is because when I came back from that foot playing football, like I said, I, I wasn't doing anything. I was living at my grandmother's. I was working at like a... Um, a factory job, which I have no, I, I have all the respect in the world for people working factories, but I can't do it. Um, I, I can't stand there for hours and hours and hours. And, um, but I, I wasn't doing anything. Then there was this one party that was, we were having things. were also getting a lot. Uh, um, as I was getting 19 and 20, I started getting really in deep with some people that I shouldn't have been getting in deep with. So, uh, we were at a party one and I was thinking about, I had already went to the recruiter. Long story short, my my buddy gets shot in the stomach. Mm. I had to put a I took my shirt off, put a, uh, pressure on it. I didn't even know at the time all this stuff, but I just thought that was the right thing to do. Um, he ended up going to the hospital. He was fine, but that was the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to army, man. Like for sure, for sure, going to army. Because uh, things that was just going to be like a retaliation thing, and I didn't want nothing to do with it. Did so you get out of dodge. Doing army, yeah. Um, because we would have been the ones that were going back at the people and, you know, it's always the, it's always the, the, the second foul that gets the flag, right? <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? so, never, never the first guy that throws the, never do that throws the first yeah. get caught. But, but because I grew up, how I grew up with my mom and dad, it, I knew how to like move around in that kind of environment, you know, how to, how to, you know, just, just maintain and, and keep your mouth shut and you know do what do what, what quote unquote would be right to do in that environment you know um but yeah i got out of there i had to i was like man i can't do this i can't I, uh because it was either prison or or i was going to end up dead and so i go ahead no 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 i was just adjusting my mic over Oh, I thought I heard something. So, I go to basic training. 
This one where shit really got real for me. And it was the stupidest thing ever. And I, never, I really don't tell anybody this because of why. So I go to basic training. I come home from basic training. I get put on this like 45-day leave thing because I was going to Korea. So there's some weird thing about how they move around. So it was like I didn't even have 20 days of leave, and they gave me 45 days of leave. So, you know, for the first like two, three weeks, I'm soldier boy, right? I'm hurt, 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 hurt. And then I start hanging out with the same people. Well, ended up we ended up uh, this guy. This guy got beat up, and I ended up getting I ended up getting indicted for aggravated robbery because of one of my friends leave from boot camp. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, so I go through all this stuff, and I ended up talking to the detective, and the detective. So I didn't get indicted. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. I didn't know I was indicted until I got to Korea. Um. We were talking to the detective and, and all this. Nobody was charged with anything because they were still they were still gathering all the evidence. Yeah. And I told the detective, hey, I got to go to Korea. And he's like, well, I can't stop you because I don't know. And then it was, I, I got a phone call from my mom telling me I was indicted for, uh, for aggravated robbery. And then while I was in Korea, all those guys went to prison. There was five of us and four of them went to prison. Um, and only thing to say me, man, was I kept my mouth shut. My, I talked to my squad leader. He's like, dude, don't say anything because I'll take you back. And, you know, and uh, when I turned myself in, I went to jail for a couple of days. When I came home from Korea, went to jail for a few days. And then I did my, um, uh, don't ever turn yourself in. And <laughs> you, on said, a, uh, you said don't ever turn yourself in? Not on a Friday. Somebody <laughs> was calling me no, Don't ever turn yourself in on Friday because uh, Monday, Monday. We ain't seen nobody till Monday. I'm stupid for that. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't. I, I got bonded on the OR um, while I was on leave. I had to go do my my arraignment. Is it arraignment after the bond? Anyway, yeah. So they set a pretrial. That's when I went to Fort Drum, and we went to. This was the first appointment when we got to test the special uh, ten special force group. That's right. Ten, Special forces. Um, so while we were in um, Romania waiting to go to Iraq, they dropped the charges on me. Really? Yeah, because my lawyer told him about me being in Iraq or going to Iraq and everything. And man, and uh, yeah, and I and like and I still that's the thing. I still hang. I still talk to those guys to this day. Um. I always tell people discovery don't lie. So if you're snitching on somebody, your discovery package <laughs> is going to tell you. So that's, that's why I'm still cool with everybody because I that's the only thing snitched. that kept me safe. I never snitched, and the only thing that kept me safe was was the army. So, man, you know, so you go to you getting ready to go to Iraq, and at this point in time, are you still kind of using at this point in time? Um, no, not really. I mean, drinking. Oh yeah, yeah well, every, everybody, everybody in the military right. drink. It is, and I tell you, it's crazy when you look at society because it's like drugs are bad, but feel free to drink yourself to death. Drink yourself exactly. into a new liver. It, it's so weird. Like, oh, you can't have marijuana, but feel free to have as much liquor as you want. Which thank is you for crazy. going with the marijuana thing, because I have been an advocate for marijuana in my time. When I was eleven, I told you, I drank and I smoked weed. When, when I was 11, I knew right then that the weed was my way to go. That alcohol was not my thing. Man, I could smoke, feel happy, 
eat some Cheetos, watch some movies, and like <laughs> you don't get mad at anybody. You don't get in, you don't you don't get in a car and 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 run into a bus full of kids because you smoke weed. You ever heard of that? Probably not. Motherfuckers only doing that. So am I not a customer here? No, nah, yeah, bro. Hey, bro, this, this is a free free speech platform, baby. We all about okay. the First Amendment. So, <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, damn, the damn, you don't hear about that. You only hear about drunks doing that kind of stuff. And I was always wondering why alcohol was okay, but marijuana was shitted on. It never made any sense to me. It still doesn't make any sense to me. It does not make sense to me either, brother. I mean, I, the worst fights I've been in in, in law enforcement all alcohol involved. All alcohol, I never, right? I ain't never seen, I've seen people get killed over weed and ale, but that's between like dealer to dealer. But I've never seen people sharing a blunt, you know, going at each other. It's always been, it's always the local drunk that gives you the worst problems. Yeah. Yeah. And even here when I'm, where I'm at, like it's majority, it's a 12 step based thing. So 90% of the people here are, are here for alcohol. Oh, I can't um, believe it. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, one of the things I wanted to get into, so like I dabbled, right? Yeah. It it wasn't until 2010. Yeah, 2010. I came back from my second tour in Korea and they put me on Adderall. Well, that was the worst thing you could have done. And I know as a man, I should have came up and said, hey, you, I can't be taking this, but, but I tell you what, man, that made me, this shit made, made me feel like Superman. Adderall did? Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's meth and a pill. Yeah. And I know and so, it's supposed to... And so between, between the time I deployed with you in 04 to Iraq, and between that time you in uh, 2010, were there any, was there any use at all between then dabbling at all? Oh, yeah. There was always dabbling but i see that's the thing i don't i never considered dabbling a problem there's one one thing is that a lot of i share with a lot of the guys i'm in treatment with here is that we got away with a lot of shit before the shit really hit the fan you know um like i got busted for me 65 for drinking and yep. fighting a bunch of cops in my yard in benny when i was oh, a wow. wlc instructor uh, um, I'm not proud of it, but it, it is what it is, you know. Uh, but that was alcohol related, and I've never considered myself an alcoholic because it, I'm a binge type person. Like, I don't necessarily have to drink, but when I do drink, it's I drink. You know what I mean? So that was There's a no bad moderation. situation. No, no, yeah, we talk about that. Me and my dad talk about that. That word moderation in my the green family. It don't exist. That's like speaking Russian. <laughs> it's all in and not in at all, right? It's all in. Is you go, you go hard and paint, or don't go hard, don't play the game at all. You know? Yeah. Um, it's good in some yeah. ways, though. To oh, add yeah. that attitude. It ain't when good when it comes in the right the... direction, in the right. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Um, and that's how I think I did well in in the military. Now there was I'm not gonna put anybody's names out there, but. There was a few like we go to the shoe house, uh, a bear drum, and I don't know if you remember the shitters. How the shitters was like, there were like five that were completely open. Oh yeah, there'd be a, there'd be a few guys in there passing a little bag of coke around before we went and did really? the shoe house. 
the life one of those guys was because I remember one of them popped hot. I think it was either right before, right before we, uh, I think it was right before we deployed, but he popped hot, but he confessed about it. And he actually got promoted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably him. You know, I, I, it's, it's who I'm thinking. He's doing well for himself. Actually. He's actually, I think he's somewhere up North. Correct. <laughs> yep. He's somewhere up North. He's doing pretty yes. well for himself. Yeah, he's doing hey bro i'm just saying man i'm not a uh proponent of cocaine but he's done all right he's done all Cocaine's right Cocaine's a hell of a drug hell of a drug man actually but this yeah, shirt but, i got <laughs> yeah, but it's just so wild you know, like when i look at people like you in the military but like bro you are an absolute stud you know, like you could run and you're a big dude and i was just like man how is this dude out here outperforming me and everybody else, man. Like I looked up to you, like man. I would see him on the runs, like I want to be like Green, like. And I was just like enamored with you, like this dude is a leader. He's I out here getting that. after it, man. Yo, I, and, and, I, and you always treated me well, yo. So I was like, man, what I got to do to be like Green, yo? And it's just, I, I just still I've had so much respect for you over the years, and man, just as a leader, and I, like I still that respect has never left, bro. Just because of who you are I, as a person, I appreciate that, man. And and that's one of the things that like I I, I deal with um, with this addiction and the things that I've done and the bridges that I've burnt of people who looked at me like that at one point that don't look at me like that anymore. Um, and the twelve steps you have the the eighth and ninth step you have to write um, a list of people you need to make amends with. And then you have to try to make those amends. And I'm scared, man. There's there's some people out there that I'm scared to. There's people out there that don't even know. And I don't know if you remember. The only reason, and this is not, um, now maybe this is God's work. Because you had made a post about the person you were talking about before. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I remember you. And talking, I was, I was freaking you. out because I, and then I messaged you because I thought that was about me. And I thought, oh my God, he figured me out. Like, then it's like a big slap in the face. Like, why would you do that anyway? To such a good dude. Like, try to, um, to you know, try to come at somebody at some angle and let them know that you know. Especially people that I respect. That's that's the hardest part. Is the people I respect that I've uh, um, lied to, and just like that don't know i don't want them to know me like this i want them to continue to know me like the way they see me before that's why i'm doing what i'm doing now honestly and it ain't for it's for me but that's part of it being for me you know is to get that respect back that that self-respect back you know let me ask you you, you used a very strong word you said fear like you're you're afraid to talk to these people that you've hurt in the past before and, how, and you've been on how many combat tours in the middle east man what four five four four combat tours in the middle east you have faced insurgents man ieds you've been in the most harsh environments known to man but you've been and you fought in the war on terror america's longest war so what is it about you being able to face death being easier than it is to face these people that you know, that you've had all these interactions with and searched with over the years. What makes that so much harder? 
So I think you kind of covered it in your in in I don't know what you call it the introduction or the monologue basically. Yeah. yeah. These are guys that I love that I would die for that I would uh that I know would die for me and some of the hardest people I've ever met in my life, some of the most loyal people I've ever met in my life, the most genuine, honest people. Why would I ever want to do them dirty? And to to face them and let them know that I'm scared that they won't be responsive. I'm scared that they'll tell me, fuck you. You did what you did. And, I, and if they do, that is, that's on me. Right. Like they don't have to make, they don't have to, I'm the one that's supposed to try to make amends. They don't have to make amends. They can tell me to, to you know, F off and, and, and that's fine, but it, it'll hurt. It'll definitely hurt to lose a relationship with some of them people. Um, and there's a few people from drum that have texted me and messaged me about, you know, borrowing money and they need to talk to me. And, and, uh, uh, one of them is somebody I respect a lot and, uh, you know, him too. Um, but we were like, we are still like really, really good friends, but to know that he knew and he found out without me saying anything scares me to talk to him because like you said, I'm not afraid of a man. Like I'm not no. afraid of man. And I'm, I'm afraid that my best friends and my brothers, like you said, my brothers, uh, don't get, this whole thing, you know, like you said in before about, uh, before becoming a police officer, you didn't realize, like you thought that all, um, drug addicts and drunks and all that stuff were just bad people. Right. Yeah. It's not that way, man. Like I'm, I live here with, you know, the majority of people I live here with are special forces guys. I remember you telling me that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not surprised, you know, cause they, yep. they yeah. got some hard jobs, brother. Right. And it's what it is is turning to drugs. You said you asked me this earlier, and I've been thinking about it. I don't want to feel what I feel is constantly bad when I'm sober, right? What I feel is all uh, anxiety, is all like depression, um, uh, not just anxiety, but you know, the fight or flight is just constantly on. Um, it's just everything bad. And I'm like, why would I want to feel that? So I don't take drugs to get high. I take drugs to get away from the yeah. other shit, you know? And then we've also talked about, because uh, one of the things we talk about here is that there is a part to this that is very um, uh, adrenaline, like the chase of it. Oh, yeah, the like, chase, chasing the high. Go, well, just to get it, like not even the high, but to get the drug, like going into trap houses and shit, going places I know I shouldn't be in, like meeting shady people in a fucking alley, like that shit gets my. It's it like you going, especially like for like, somebody from the warrior class, man. Yes, that's it right there. That's it right there. Doing the drugs is just the fucking cherry on top of all the other shit. Mm, yeah. I I know that, that that might be contradicting a little bit, but that it's just the truth. Like it's not, it's not contradicting. Hey, but why do you think I'm still a police officer after 
15 years. Why do you think I was the only guy in Louisville Metro Police Department during 2020 to come back in the middle of the riots? Because I live for that type of shit, man. I, it's, it's crazy, huh? It's, it's just something that's ingrained in us. You know, I like living on the edge. Like you, I can't work in a factory. I can't sit on a line. I don't care how much you're paying me. But I like the the uh, aspect of my job of going to work and not knowing what's going to happen. I might get shot. I might get in a shooting. I don't want to get shot, but fortunately, something about that thrills me knowing that I might be thrown into this horrible situation. You know, and that's just something in us as the warrior class in America, my brother. That's all that is. You know, it's people don't understand that. You know, they think we're crazy. We're not crazy. We're just we're just built different, man. We're grunts, bro. That's what we do. That that's we're, why hey, I we're gutter folks, man. I, you know, I was doing corrections for like two. I did corrections for like two years, and uh, that's the only reason I did it. But I didn't get nothing shit pop off because most of them dudes respected me, <laughs> and because it's just how I approached them and everything like that. You know, you um, knew how to talk to them. Yeah, you could you, yeah. could you could identify with them. Oh sure, for sure. Um, there's a lot of soldiers in in jail prison too, man. Absolutely, like, brother. Because there's guys out there that that are in this in this situation uh, who are way worse off than I am who are living under bridges and, and shit and don't realize like, you know, like silver star recipients and stuff. They're, they're just living the worst type of life because they don't know how to get out of it. And you can't get out of it. You can, it's just up to you. Um, and they don't like saying you around here. I'll say, so it's up to me to continue down the right path so, so that I can get that uh, res- self-respect back. Uh, look at myself in the mirror and not hate myself. Um, put on hey, a facade that everything's cool all the time when it's really not, you know? And that's the one thing about you, bro, that, that shocked me. And hey, when, when, when you were dropping me the message, it was like, I was like, there's no way that my dude Green is an addict. And it, Cause I remember years ago, I had been out of the military and I seen this documentary on, uh, I think it was the discovery channel and it was talking about the, uh, op four and I'm sitting there watching this documentary and I'm like, yo, that's my boy green, man. Yeah. You were out in California. Fort you were Irwin, training yeah. Soldiers. yeah. Fort Irwin. You were training soldiers to prepare to go and fight in the middle East. And I was just like, if anybody's going to be there, it's him because this dude has got his shit together. From A to Z, we have the saying in the military where for the civilians we call somebody squared away. When you think of a Mister America, Mister Soldier, it's this guy right here, but Paul Green, and that's all I knew him as. I was like, so when I started finding out that you had a, an addiction, and I was just like, if it can happen to him, like my God, who else is it happening to, yo? So it, I just kind of remember after that, yo, just thinking like, man, how did he get here? Like, how did this guy that I've always looked up to get to this, become this person? Yo, so you said in 2010, when you got prescribed Adderall is when things kind of started spiraling out of control for you. Do you think some of the combat, the the combat related issues from four combat deployments played into that at all? Um, I don't think it played into it until later. Uh, Because in 2010 is when I went to Afghanistan. And 
Man, I tell you what, I, I didn't realize, like, Adderall, like I said, it's speeding a pill. And if I ran out of Adderall, there'd be somebody else on the cop that had Adderall. And if he ran out, I'd have it. Like, it, everybody was on that shit. Um, I don't like blaming. The Army didn't, didn't, didn't do stuff to prevent addicts. I'm going to tell you that much. Um, they'll throw perk sets at you like that. They throw Adderall at oh. you like that. Bike it in. Uh, any type of uh, uh, sleep meds or or Xanax or the, the army would throw it right at you. Like, here, take this, and with no questions asked. Well, what started happening is, is I was the weapon squad leader, so I'd go on all these SKT small kill teams, and it'll always be at night. So. Man, I'd stay up for like four or five days at a time eating these Adderall because I was doing these. And then I'd crash for like three or four days, just be out. And then go back and do it all over again. And that it I feel like they did that on purpose to keep everybody going. Because it wasn't, I mean, maybe maybe other people didn't have a problem with it like I did. But there was definitely other motherfuckers speeding on the on the outposts. For sure. Yeah. Um, back to what you said about uh, that kind of stuff, the 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 past deployment, the, the memories and stuff, that didn't happen until everything slowed down. Yes. Absolutely. Once once my my op tempo stopped, that's when everything from the back like thought it was like a slinky that just caught up to itself. You know what I mean? And then that's when I started doing other shit. That's when I started getting into coke more, um, smoking a lot of weed, hanging out with the people that I was hanging out with before. Um, you know, but I'll tell you something about those kind of people, man. They're some of the realest people we ever met. Oh, 100%, bro. Like, <laughs> they keeps it real, man. Right. And I'm, I'm all about that, man. Like, um, my circle, and you know, I, I say that, and then I also think in my head, like, well, you're you're burning people for money, and that's not very real of you. But the, I'm just, you know, they they tell you straight up, hey, you should be doing that kind of shit. That's not how a man, a man should be moving, and 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 stuff like that. And um, you know, they like you said, keeping it real with you. They, we might be doing blow together, but they're spitting the truth, right? You know what I'm saying? Like telling you. <laughs> You be like, you're fucked up. But wait, man, you just did the same shit I did. You both know the same shit. What the fuck? Is there a single incident or moment that kind of started your downward spiral to where it got you to the worst point? Um, I would say probably when I separated from my wife. And I knew my wife were together a long time, brother. Yeah, we were together eighteen years. I remember you leaving uh, bait, leaving Fort Drum. Yo, hey, like we get like a four day weekend. Like, hey, yo, I'm heading to Ohio. I'm like, bro, it's like twelve hours, dog. And hey, it's like, yeah, I <laughs> so we we married eighteen years. Um, one night she just decided that she didn't want me to be there, so she packed up a few like uh, laundry hampers, and it's it's weird how it works out because. She threw me out thinking that I was going to be like, boo-hoo, come back to her. Well, a friend of mine had a condo that he wasn't using because 
he got in a fight with his wife. So he ran, he started leasing his condo. Well, then he went back home. So he had a, it was like a whole furnished condo. So I just started ripping it off of him. But what happened was my wife was my leash. My wife was my, uh, my voice of reason when it comes to this drug stuff. Like she kept it to where she was not, she didn't drink, smoke, uh, nothing. Completely clear of anything. And here you got this fucking douchebag who's like a, about it all. You know what I mean? But she did a really good job of as, 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 uh, as annoying as it was at times, it was, it was, I needed it because then once I, I, I got on my own again, everything started going downhill because I didn't have nobody telling me no. I didn't have anybody telling me I couldn't do it. All I had was friends coming over, like quarter ounces of cocaine and shit. Because my place was the place to party at. So I'm a single dude at this point, living in this badass condo. Uh, so all the homies come over, fucking my, my dudes using my rooms with their girlfriends and shit. Like, hey, pay me. You gonna pay me? Hey, you gonna wash them sheets too, motherfucker? Before you get out of here. <laughs> like the barrack life and shit. And uh, oh man. And so it was a good time, but it's it's what spiraled me downhill for sure. Um, you know, I I was able to hold jobs and I was able to get decent jobs and and uh, I just always wanted to fucking for some reason feel something different than what I felt all the time. What were you feeling all the time? Like I said, just just anxious, man. And like the way I got the way I left the army is is this has been uh I got medically retired at two in 2014. And I I was supposed to have like two years to or, or 18 months to get my affairs together and all this shit and everything in order to be able to, to leave, right? Man, they they did my med board in six months. Like from the time they told me I was getting med boarded to the time I was med boarded, it was like six months, dude. I had nothing together, nothing. It was almost like I was thrown out on my feet. And I, I, I always hated that. Like I had such a good taste in my mouth about the army. That sounds really weird, but I, you know what I mean. And for it to end the way it ended was like, damn, really, like. This is really how much you give a shit about anybody. Like I'm, a, I was an E6, which ain't really high up there. But if they did that to me, what well, they do the fucking sergeants and privates and specialists just toss them out. Yeah, pretty much, bro. Like, they got another body you, to fill that spot. Yeah, it's like it's it's so weird because you gave everything to these motherfuckers. Everything, like your family was second. Fucking God, excuse me. God was second. To, I mean, everything was about mission. I'll say it's another way around, but it's not true. It's all about the mission, and to give yourself to those missions and to where you, like you said, man, like I, I enjoyed all that stuff. Like I met the, my best friends and my my brothers for life, and then it just was over. And I was like, this is over. Um. So I thought about that a lot. Like it never went 
the way that I, I wanted it to end. And not only that, the jobs that were being offered to me was like, I was a leader of men. And now you want me to just like, it's like every opinion you tell, anytime you, you might, in certain situations, anytime you might like uh, speak up about something, somebody looks at you like halfway crazy. And you're like, look, dude, in my head, I'm thinking, I got so much more experience in life and so much more experience in like, you know, I might not be great in maintenance, but I can manage all the maintenance people. So to be talked to like you're kind of like this by people who have no idea who you are, what you've done, that was rough for me. That was rough for me. I don't know how that was in the police force, if that was any different or like if you had any similar situations like that. So, where You have to look at my experience because when I came in, I came in as an E3. And of course, as an E3, you're treated like absolute scum. And by the time I got hurt in Iraq in 05, and by the time I got out, I was only an E4. And I was never an mm -hmm. E4 in a line unit. Yo. So all I'm used to and know is being yelled at. <laughs> Being told I'm crappy at whatever I'm doing, you ain't shit. That's all I know. So hey, going into the police department, it was easy because I had become callous to, like, oh yeah, I'm not crap. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm used to getting beat up, yo. So it wasn't hard for me going into the police department and being beat up by people, being cursed out and yelled at and dis disrespected by people, because that was all I knew. And it, and I honestly, I tell people it's honestly probably the reason I'm still not promoted, become a sergeant because. I've never got the opportunity to lead in the army, yo. So, and so I don't have a desire to be a quote unquote leader with stripes on in the police department just because I never got to have that experience. Yo. So, I'm kind of comfortable being in the gutter, you know, and I, I'm, I like it. It don't bother me, yo. So, it's just kind of part of my life and what I do, yo. But, and the thing is, I'm also like, I don't have the leadership experience from the military, but I've learned to lead in other ways by how I live my life. And I tell people, I don't need chevrons on my shoulders in order to influence and inspire yeah, and people. Because I know some people with high rank that ain't shit. Right. <laughs> right. They're horrible people. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we all know these guys in the military. You know, they hide behind their rank and that's all they got because outside their uniform, they ain't nothing, man. That's all. That's their entire identity. And me, my identity is not wrapped up in my titles. Man, that's a that's a. I'm glad I heard you say that like that because that's humble. That's now I'm looking at like I just need to humble myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to because I'm not any in any position in this world and out here to to um, be in charge of anybody. However, like you said, I can influence without being in charge. Absolutely. You know, um, you don't need to, you don't, yeah, man, you said that, you said that very well, that you, you don't need to be, you don't need stripes and shit. People know who's who. Exactly. That, exactly. You're bro. right. Yeah. You don't get respect by taking a test, bro. You get respect by how you operate out in the field. Because right. <laughs> trust, there's, there's, I'm sure we've seen plenty of soldiers baffled and that were absolutely incompetent, but you got an E1 or E2 they got balls of steel, and I'll follow that dude anywhere, yo, as opposed to a E6 or E7 that, <laughs> that's timid, you know? And you were that dude, bro. You were that dude that, man, I'll follow this dude anywhere, man. <laughs> he know what he's doing. He's competent. It's funny. That's 
now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that is my a lot of my problem too. Is because how you say that makes me like feel good about like I was that dude. I was that dude. I'm not that dude anymore out here. So it's just strange. And I've been out of the army now for like nine years, man. Was 2014? Ten years. And it still don't get any easier about how I feel about how I left and how I feel about um, what I could have done more at, what I couldn't, you know. That that doesn't get, and doesn't get any easier knowing that my career didn't go the way I wanted it to go. The time has not healed that yet. It will. Well, It'll take time. Then, I, you know, I was trying to look for all these jobs that uh, was going to, um, short, short of being a police officer, because um, like I said, I'm, I'm around drugs. I've been around, like, I can't bust some kid that's got a little little bag of cocaine and be like, hey, you're going to jail. I'll be like, man, fuck. Because that would have been me 15 fucking times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> I was so bad. I'm just bad for doing that. Um, but I, I was trying to get contracting jobs and just nothing ever like panned out to where this one I was in for like had all the paperwork done, everything. Like I, I was like, I was waiting for this guy to call. That was the last thing was oh, I had to put my, my submit passport, blah, 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 everything. And I'm waiting for this guy, waiting for this guy, waiting for this guy. And finally I'm like, Hey man, I call him. I'm like, so when am I going to, he was supposed to send me the thing to fly to Virginia and start training shit. He's like, oh man, I forgot to submit. So basically, what happened was my passport hadn't less than a month left. So I had to get a new passport for it to go. And I'm like, man, I went off on a dude, like to where I was like, that's incompetence. But I I really wanted that job. I wanted to go back to Afghanistan and feel some type of like, some type of. a good adrenaline without chasing bad shit. You know, a, a feeling of, you know, like, like you said, that feeling of I'm, da- I'm ready all the time. Like, there's a place, there's a, there's a place for that. It's not everyday life, though. Like, it's not everyday civilian life that you, you know, and I'm waiting for something that's never coming. As far as like danger and all that stuff, you can sit in a room and you're staring around and thinking how many doors are, are you know, how many exits and and all this stuff and like what for no reason, like no reason at all. You know how many times I've done that and nothing has happened? <laughs> but oh, I still Chuck, think yes. that way. You still, yeah, trust me, but my family still makes fun of me because I carry a little satchel they call my purse and that thing I got tourniquet, gauze. Gun, yeah. extra mags. Oh, bro, hey, hey, hey. and it's just like, yeah, like. But my mindset is something's about to happen. Nothing's ever and happened. You actually, it's even worse for you, I assume, because you actually got, you got, you got hurt. You got your arm yeah. fucked up. Yeah, and, and that never happened to me. So I would imagine for you, it's probably fucking ten times worse than it is for me. And you'd be surprised, yo, but I don't think it's I don't think getting injured in the Middle East made my PTSD worse. But all getting injured did to me was just make me realize just my more 
my morality, uh, my mortality. Like I was like, man, I'm definitely not super. Because you know, when you're over there, you feel like Superman. A bit. Honestly, when I got into police work, I had that same perception, like I'm Superman, bro. Yeah, I got hurt, but guess what? I'm still here, bitch. What up? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm like, still here. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I'm still here, shot, motherfucker, and I'm still here. I'm still here, bro. So, but I and I still carry that mentality. But like I said, as I've gotten older, yo, I realize it. Like you said, I'm not this. I'm not a 19 year old soldier in the Middle East anymore. I'm a 39, about to be 40 year old man with bad knees, bad shoulders, yo. Like PTSD. I have horrible time sleeping, yo. But I have responsibilities. I have wife and kids, yo. And I tell people, yo, I'm not that same guy. But there are still good qualities from that soldier I were that are still alive in me today that keep me going and that's the same for you of course you're not the same guy who you were you know 20 years ago when we deployed but there's still traces of specialist green that i still see there's still traces of you know staff sergeant green that are still there that are keeping you doing what you're doing and because one of the things we know is integrity and honesty you know that's in kind of in the core leadership principles of the army and you might have violated those but you have taken the steps to make it right, man. And you've done the right things. And that's why we're having this conversation. And that's why you decided to, at some point, go get help. So what made you push yourself to go to this program? Because, well, let's take it back further. We'll take it back to when you started messaging me about money. Where, where were you at in your life at that point when you started that uh, was, reaching out to brothers? So I had lost my job. I was in the condo that I was talking about. I had lost my job as a corrections officer, um, so I didn't. I didn't have that that uh, that income coming anymore. So the way I, 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 if you don't mind me asking, what happened with your job? I I kept being late because I would go on these three or four day benders of of. Like I was talking about a mountain in Afghanistan. I'd go on these three or four day benders of being high as fuck, operating at a hundred and ten percent, and then I'd go to sleep at nine in the morning one day, and I wouldn't wake up till like fucking one in the morning when I was supposed to be there at midnight. Oof. So, yeah, so that happened like multiple times. And the funny thing is that they could have drug tested me at any time, and that would have got me fired way quicker but funny story real quick the my lieutenant at the jail he was second ranger battalion retired second ranger battalion so he never made me piss he always like had my remember i was talking about people like i'm always getting away always getting away and then it, before oh, yeah. it hits the fan oh, yeah. that's one of them things where where i was able to keep doing what i was doing because i knew i wasn't gonna get in trouble for it um but yeah, like you, when I started reaching out for people for money, the way I justified it in my head was like, okay, I don't have this job anymore, so I'm going to use the money Dex gives me to pay my bills, and then I'll use the money that I get from the VA to do drugs. So I was, I was, I was never really using anybody's money for drugs. That's how I put it in my head. And if somehow that's just the way I justified it. That if I got money from you, it was going to the electric bill or the, or the fucking internet or, you know, whatever, water. Um, and then I just saved the money from, I use that VA money and buy dope with it. Because, you know, I'm a 90%, so it's, 
So that's that's the way I justified it. And that's 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 when I was at my lowest, man. Like me sending up them texts or messages, that's why I didn't call nobody. I sent in a text because it, it wasn't as personal. Like I knew how shitty it was. I knew I knew how like wrong it was what I was doing. That's just I, I didn't know. And then when it, the fucked up thing is, is that I got to say this, if I'm being honest, is when it worked, is when it was like, okay, it worked once. Now, since I went to him, I'll go to him. And I'll go to him because he don't talk to him. He don't get what I'm saying? Like, that's the well, fuck. you start wet mapping it out. It's, it's what's fucked up, man. It's a, it's so like grimy and dirty and like just off the rails, just insanely disrespectful to brothers that I love. <sighs> but I know Could it you is. Feel, At least I know it is, feel, right? Like, yeah. Could you feel the guilt d- despite of the, uh, of the uh, addiction? Could you feel the guilt and shame of what you were doing before the high? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, you mean as, as far as like the, the 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 time frame before I got high, right? Like yeah, well, I'm 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 saying more so in the you know how the addiction it's a point it like pulls you you like you got you got just the urge to get drug like like I know most people they'll do anything to get it, and it's like even if it comes at the extent of hurting people that they love. So when you yeah. had that urge, could you still feel the guilt and shame despite of how yeah. strong the pull was? Yeah. That's well, that's why I think I try to justify it the way I justified it. Um because it made that guilt and, and shit less you know, it, it wasn't it felt as guilty or as shameful. But I tell you what, once once that high came what was that high left? Oh my god. Then you're like so you say, oh my god, you're the biggest piece of shit in the world. Why would you fucking do that? And then so you do it again. And then the next time, because you need money. It's all about justifying it. It's all about finding a way to 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 not make yourself feel so bad about going the route you're going. And any way you could do that in your head and manipulate yourself, because the, the biggest person people we lie to is addicts is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like that that's the truth. Like I, I told myself I wasn't a drug addict for so long, and I knew damn good and well I was a drug addict. I'm sure you, you know? thought I can control this. I got a control of it. It doesn't have control of me, right? And it's so for funny. Sure. I mean, but that's how we all live when we were young in the military. But everybody goes out, and gets drunk, does stupid stuff, and you wake up hungover, feeling like crap. Like God, I'm never doing this again. Or it's always when we get in those worst moments, and you know, like on the battlefield, you know, something happens and. You're terrified and you start making these deals with God, like, yo, God, should you get me out of this? I'll follow you forever, man. I'll never do it again. Yeah. And then you get delivered, and guess what? Right back to the strip club the next weekend. Right you know, you believe that. You when you're saying what you're saying, you honestly believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I not was. like it's not as if you're you're just throwing it out there to to uh get God off your back. You really feel in your heart at the time that you God, please help me, and I'll never do it again. And then you end up doing it again. And it's like, but you weren't lying to God when you said it. 
It's just somewhere in between that week or however long it took for you to get high again. That that, that devil, the devil don't. This was I've never been a real uh, spiritual person or religious person, but one thing I have learned is if there's a, if there's God and devil, right? If, if you believe in God and Jesus Christ, you have to believe in the devil. That's you have to because it's right. It's, they are together yeah. in, in the Bible. The devil does not come at you as the devil. The devil comes at you as the most beautiful, the most mm. um, uh, deceiving, like just con artist. He's the biggest con artist there is. A sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing, man. And he knows. Oh, for sure. Like. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And he like. figure out. He figure out it was all fucking. But I wanted to say something. I know it's getting this program, man. Um, I already talked to them about because I wanted to mention this on here. It's called Warrior's Heart in in Bandera, Texas. It's it was created and founded by a Delta Force dude named Tom Spooner. You look up Tom Spooner's story; it's pretty incredible. Um, he was a drunk who did the twelve step programs, um, and then he created a place, bought this ranch out here for high-speed dudes and gals that have addiction issues, alcohol problems, uh, PTSD issues to go. You live on a ranch. Uh, um, a uh, it's, it's, it's an old place for like where corporations brought their people for team building stuff, stuff like that. So there's all okay, these bungalows yeah, right. and all these, all these big, big TV rooms. So you go and you do class for a certain amount of that time, right? The normal stuff. But then they have all these electives that you do that you don't really realize is therapy. You, they got an art. They got um, a shop where you can build uh, swords and uh, whatever you want to do in the shop. Build, make flags. Build, 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 uh, wow. The gym. They got um, yoga. They got all these different things that um, I, I think there's a couple more that I, I can't think of right now. But, oh, there's a canine program. Yeah, oh, see that guy right good. there. Yeah, that's my that's buddy Romeo. I got him from. He's my service dog. <laughs> you get to train. You can train your own service dog and take him home with you. Um, wow. Then once you get out of there, it's a forty-day, two-day program. The VA will cover it. Uh, Tricare will cover it. Um, once you get out of there, they bought a hotel that they turned into a um, sober living facility. So I'm living here in basically a hotel room with all my stuff, my dog. Um, I have to buy, buy some rules, but it keeps me sober. Um, it keeps me in 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 a in a positive space because I'm still here with all these dudes that I know uh, aren't dirtbags, you know. Um, and then you ever heard of Mert? What is it? It's called M E R T. Mert. Mert. No, I've not. So. I'll tell you more about it, like even after I'm because I don't want to get too far into it because I don't know as much about it as but basically it's this thing they put these these micro things on your head. And basically what it does is it it has these electric and mag or magnetic waves that like it figures out somehow how your like PTSD thinking and your 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 brain waves. You know, like if you take drugs for so long or you think a certain way, it actually creates like a divot in your brain. 
like a railroad. Right? It, yeah, it, it physically changes your, right. your anatomy. So what this thing does is actually supposed to bring it back. Oh, bring wow. it back to where it's it's normal. Um, now there's guys in here that have I just started it, so I. I but it's a. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's done here, and it's sober living, and it's not done anywhere else that I know of. Um, and it, it supposedly works for people, man. It helps their PTSD. It helps just the way they think about themselves. Because um, this is this is a good place, man, and. And I hope anybody listening to this has struggles. There's been a VA programs where the VA programs are just kind of shitty. Bunch of people that are jumping VA programs uh-huh. that you know you kind of find yourself thinking like them, like am I like this guy? Like am I, you know, a guy who was maybe in the army a month and then now he gets to go to all these VA things. So you you whereas there's a couple good dudes, there's a bunch of turds at a VA program and there's a few guys sprinkled in that are good guys. Well, this place is like 99% of the people are, are guys with careers and, and all that kind of just good, good people. Maybe one or two guys that aren't, shouldn't be here and they get filtered out of here. Cause they're not, they don't want to do it the right way. Um, they're not giving me anything to say this right now or nothing. I, I, I just firmly believe, uh, I hit 90 days sober a couple days ago, and that's the longest I've been sober since 2010. And I'm proud of you, my brother. Absolutely proud yeah. of you, man. Congratulations. And I, you're going to keep going and go much further, man. So let me ask, so what What was the, Was there a certain or specific incident that broke you and made you decide, I need help? And, and you found this place. So, yes, I got evicted from that condo. So is this the same I, condo I was sending you food to? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. That, that was all real. That was all like you're oh, sending yeah, me. No, I believe that. <laughs> and then you sent me food to my parents' house. And that's the that's where the, the the straw broke the camel's back because really I had not be not the food thing, just that I was at my parents living in a bedroom. Um I was it went full circle back to before I joined army. Basically, it was like back to living in a bedroom. My parents taking care of me. Um, it just wasn't the way I wanted to be, man. And I had a friend who I worked with at UPS. Um, so I was a UPS driver for a while before the uh, the, the corrections. And uh, this guy asked me. I was talking to him. Uh, actually, I think I asked him for money. And his name was Brent, and he said, "Dude, I went to this, I went to this place called Warrior's Heart last year, however long, and he's been he was sober for like nine months, and for him that was like he goes, Paul, it'll change your life." And I was like, "What else do I got to lose?" The only thing it was is you know you pay your own plane ticket and stuff to get here, so which I didn't have that money, so I ran it by my dad, and he's like, "Hey." We'll cover it. Basically, I think they just want to be out of the house, their house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they mom but, and dad trying to walk around naked, man. You interfering with the game, dog. <laughs> right. You know, oh, man. That is so true. Um, but no, my dad was, uh, you know, what was crazy is, is, is I was, because I was at the lowest place I've ever been. Here I am, 40, 41 years old. 
I own nothing. Anything I did have was taken away from me because of my lack of uh, just being a normal person and, and handling business affairs and handling things that you're supposed to handle the right way. And I just, there was, what else did I have to lose? I have nothing else to lose, man. And, and I would already been to the VA, which I don't, I really don't want to knock the VA because I think the VA, people at the VA are trying. I just think it's, they're not very, um, who they let in. They don't really, they don't really uh, like vent who they let in, so to speak. They just let anybody in, and so you got anyway. Um, yeah, man. And my dad had told me. He said he had been praying day after day after day after day for something to happen for me to where, because I was just blatantly getting high at their house. Not like mm-hmm. I was smoking crack in front of them, but uh, I'd be amped up on mess right in front of him just sitting there talking to him like the and, and it was so disrespectful man and uh but my dad said he would prayed and prayed and prayed and then he said he prayed for like six days for me to, to figure something out right or we prayed to god for pray to god to help me and then on the seventh day that he didn't pray is when i called this place I, th- I always thought that was that was odd. like I said I'm not a I'm not a religious or or super spiritual person but it was it's almost like because he stopped God was like see I don't <laughs> don't stop with him you know because it was strong enough for him to bring that up to me that the day he stopped praying about me coming to or, or finding a place to help me get back to where I need to be is when I found a place. So, but this place, man, huh? What's next for you, man? What's 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 the next next for me? So, so I'm going to stay here for a while. Um, Is there a time limit? No, as long as you pay them, there's no time limit. Um, I'm going to stay here until Man, I, you know what? I don't know, man. I know, I know, I'm not going back to Ohio. I will rep the Buckeyes for the rest. Of, I'm a Buckeye forever, but I'm not going back. <laughs> I think that's a good um, idea, man. You can't I, change the people around you. Change the people around you. Nothing changes until it changes. Um, Texas looks pretty cool, man. Like, I'm real close to San Antonio. Um, also one thing we haven't, I didn't bring up, which had nothing, to, I didn't want to bring it up because it didn't have nothing to do with what we were talking about, but it does have to do with what may come next for me is I may get a pretty decent settlement from the VA from a back pay from 2020, like close to six figures. So although that's not a lot of money, it, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money, but what it can do is help me lay the foundation to get back on the right track and do uh, that give me time to find a job that i really want to do that and guess what well if they come back and say i'm 100 unemployable i can volunteer like there's ways to there's ways to give back 
And there's ways to look at this differently than I that I haven't looked at before. You know, I'm looking at it all this way, like I'm, I can't be a killer anymore. I'm 41 years old. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> you know, so like I can help in different ways, you know. I can instruct, I can do we'll see what happens, man. We'll we'll, we'll see. But I, I but I believe I believe for the first time in probably three years that it's going in the right direction. You absolutely are, man. Like so I've never been more proud of you, brother. Never been more I proud love of you. you I love you too, man. Love you too. That's why I said I never closed the door on you, even though I knew I was like, I love this dude, man. If I would, I would have died for this dude then, and I died for this dude now. But, but I want to give you, I know you know the same. else. Oh, absolutely, man. I want to give everybody some advice, man. So I'm a hundred percent disabled, man. People don't like. I'm a hundred percent no PTSD. I mean, the arm issues, neck, back. I mean, everything. But I, right. I got all the ailments, but I still work because I'm a hundred percent employable, and I tell people. Man, the best thing for a soldier or veteran or anybody in the military, I don't care if you get a hundred percent, but the one thing we have to have, as we talked about earlier, we have to have a mission. The reason I stay working full time as a police officer is because it gives me purpose outside of just being a soldier. It gives me purpose. A soldier has to have a mission and a soldier has to have a purpose. Without a yeah. mission or without a purpose, what happens? Joe goes starts doing stupid stuff, bro. And like you, when I quit my job with the Border Patrol in Arizona in 2019, and I didn't have a job lined up, but dude, all the stuff I had buried in my life and my past, all my mama, when I had nothing to focus on, it all, like you said, like the slinky, it all cut up to me. And I had my first big major break with PTSD where I completely emotionally shut down completely shut down but like i was not available you made that i just because i just take all this trauma and compartmentalize everything a bit i would just stuff it all away in my emotions and my feelings and would never deal with it because i stayed busy and i think it's important for us to stay busy but at the same time we have to deal with our crap at some point in time you know and yeah. it's either one day it's it's gonna catch up and you got to deal with it yo but so i tell people i mean i go i still go to counseling i have therapy you know i you know i have outlets i stay working out but like i said it's a soldiers are mission driven and so i all my buddies i know that are 100 percent that don't work they're all miserable yeah all I, I can yeah i can see that that's the point i was trying to make is that even if i am even if i am unemployable i gotta do something got to because be. idle hands is what brings me back to that devil shit yes sir and I told I tell these people in these meetings sometimes one of the best things in my life that's happened to me is also one of the worst things in my life that happened to me. I get enough money every month to where I don't have to work. Mm -hmm. So I mean I should work, but you know what I'm saying. Like oh yeah, no, trust like, me. You I mean, you're hundred percent, you know what I'm talking about. So it's like, okay, if I don't have to work, what am I gonna do all day? I know what I'll do. I'll get some drugs and not think about the day. Yep. You but that's where the, that's where the opposite do. of that is being busy all the time. I think they're the same two things. They're just once yes. here, once here, if that makes sense. Yes. You got to find a balance in the middle, bro. And I tell people, I work my ass off Monday uh, on my work day. And some days on my days off, I work my butt off. But I should make sure I take time 
for myself and for my family. Like you have to. I said, there's a soft spot in the middle. And the thing about America right now, everything's about all about the extremes. It's always over far to the left or far to the right. And I don't do extreme, but I tell people everything. The answers are right in the middle, man. Right in the middle, bro. You know, I don't believe in doing anything extreme. You know, I just because I tell people things in the extreme, you can't. Like I like David Goggins, like a lot of people like David Goggins, but I'm like, nobody can live that hard of a lifestyle. Twenty every day four, seven every day. Every day. Like you gotta be hard, you gotta get up, you gotta go. Like, bro, no, I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> you know, mo- but if have you, you ever most seen days him of the talk? If you watch if you watch him do so his uh his things where he's running and he's talking to the camera and shit, if you ever see him speak. He's actually a lot calmer and a lot more down to earth. Like if he's speaking in front of a group of people, um, I've watched a couple of those. But yeah, you're right. That whole like that just don't work. It don't work. Just, yeah, that's the advertising. That human. just don't work. Man. Yeah, you're, if you're you want to have a heart human. attack, go ahead and do all that shit. Yeah, yeah like hey, yo, legit, yo, like you will work yourself into a frenzy. Trust me, I've done. I've worked. The worst I've ever been was when I was working all the time, running from my crap, bro. And I was working 90, 100 hours a week. But you would think, how can you do that? Trust me. Give me some caffeine and like two hours of sleep, bro. I'll be good. And that was that soldier mentality where I got a mission in front of me. I'm going, I'm going, and I'm going. You know, and nothing can stop me. But as I've turned 40, get turned 40 in May, bro, it's catching up, man. Like I said, right now, dude, when I get when this show's over and I try to stand up, I'm not gonna be able to stand up my knee. Tore my, my I don't knee. know if you keep seeing me go like this. It's my oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> my back oh, trust like... me, trust me. I just man, what they say, pain is weakness to the body. Unless you're a, unless you're a veteran, then it's probably something really wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, I started also, going to a chiropractor. Have you been to a chiropractor? No, I need to, man. I, I especially you, wearing man. Guy. I just finally went to one like last month, and they these people set me up with it. It was like a two hundred dollar thing, and it only cost me eighty bucks. Wow. And this dude, like when I left there, my back hurts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for about three weeks, I did not feel any pain in my back. It's back oh. now. So that's telling me I need to make another guy. Yeah, time for another <laughs> trip, dog. It's time for another yeah. trip, yo. It's, yeah, it's man. cool, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. And I, need, I also want to apologize to you and other veterans and people with addictions that so i th- i feel like one of the things we do the worst especially with social media is the game of comparison we love to compare ourselves to people you know? and so so people don't know that i know when i got hurt in iraq 05 i was banged up real bad hey, i don't know how i live yo but hey, for me when i was in the hospital like you said the military just throws drugs at you the, the first thing i got when i got hurt was morphine I've never had any type of drugs like that in my life. It, it was the best feeling in the world. Yo. And so they're just digging, giving me morphine, Percocet, morphine, morphine, morphine. I had an addiction at that point in time, and I didn't know it yo, because I want the morphine. I was hurting, but I could have done without it. Yo, but I was just like, give me that fresh push. Of you morphine, wanted that feeling. I wanted that feeling. Yo. And so, and, and then when it was time for me to go home, I was like, hey, you can't leave until you get off the morphine. You know, and it, I would have quit cold turkey and it was miserable, miserable. And it, but here's what I did wrong. I was able to stop cold turkey. And because I stopped cold turkey and I was able to fight off the demons and the addiction at that point in time, 
I looked at everybody else that couldn't do it as less than me. Like, why can't I could do it? Why can't you do it? And I feel like that is the worst thing and the worst attitude that anybody could have. And I I, I carried that mentality hey, with me for so many years. Yo, I mean, so many years. Like, man, I don't feel bad for these people out here on the streets. I don't like, yeah, you had an addiction. Guess what? So did I. I kicked it. But everybody's got a different level of trauma that they bring, bro. And I apologize to you and anybody else that I, like I said, I've, I've had that mentality for years just because the game of comparison. But the thing is, it's easy to compare yourself to somebody that's not doing as well as you. It's so much harder to compare yourself to somebody that's out doing you every day, bro. And the truth is, at the end of the day, man, we're all just people. We've all got issues. Look, we've we all, all have struggles. our own paths, man. Everybody, bro. And I know what we I tell people about path, now. Yeah. I, I tell people, I don't trust any man without some sort of vice in his life, bro. I, 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 I do not. I tell people. <laughs> I I I stand. I do not. I don't care. I, I know I, some, I'm with you. I'm with hey, you, Hey, bro, it, it's something. There's something in your closet that we don't know. There's it, yeah, and it's gonna be way worse than somebody doing drugs. I way, think. and that's why I tell people. It, it, as a Christian, I tell people I'm a Christian, but I struggle. I like alcohol. I do. Now I don't struggle with drinking as bad as some people. We are like, I have a bottle of bourbon. I'll, it'll take me a month to get through it, yo. But I'm in control of it. But that's kind of my vice. Women. Looking at women, it's kind of my thing and my vice, yo. But to the people that don't smoke, that don't drink, you don't have an issue with looking at women. You don't, you know, you don't gamble. What is it? Something what is, there, what, right? What's, I, really, what, what's really, what's going really on hey, bro, what's really going on? Yo, hey, I'm with you, man. hey, but nobody's that squeaky clean in this life. So I always avoid anyone. the dudes. Yes, yeah, so I, I can't understand. I'm mean, not go to churches and you see these picture perfect people. I'm like, yo, I'd have been to y'all's houses on domestics, man. I know you're beating the mess out of your wife. Right. Like, I, I stay away. Similar yes. to that. I say something similar to that because I've got a church that my we used to go to this church that was in my parents' hometown. Well, my hometown is real, real big church. And a lot of the people I went to high school with go there, right? And I know I'd be sitting up with some of these dudes on Saturday night. Fucking blowing rails and just be all geeked up, and then and then I know what I was doing at church. I was going there because somebody wanted me to go there. But these guys would be there with their wives and kids and shit, like nothing fucking happened. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, like be you, just be you, be like, be real, be honest, man. But see, that's be the thing. Honest. Those those wives and those they would look at me like I was some kind of the uh, bad influence on their husband. I didn't call him. He called me to get cocaine. <laughs> I didn't call him to give it to him. He called me to find it for him. And you're lucky I found a good he, It's good if he calls me because I know the right people to go to so he don't get fucking fit and all shit. That's why I'm still alive. Yeah. I got so many friends, bro, that are dead because of fentanyl. And Damn. it's, man, it's sad. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I think people who put fentanyl and, and, and cocaine or or put fentanyl and heroin or or fentanyl or press pills with fentanyl, they need to go to prison for murder. Absolutely, bro. And it, it's an that's, epidemic, bro. We see it. I see it every day, almost every day, man. It's that's why we carry Narcan with us now. Yeah, I had a Narcan dude at my condo because he's. Um, yeah. I'm trying to say. 
He was a big ass dude, man. He was like six foot five, probably like three hundred some pounds. This motherfucker should have played defensive line for Buckeyes or some shit. But my buddy brought him over, man. He's sitting in his chair, my, my and I'm a people. I want I want I watch people. So I, I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna watch you regardless. Um, and I know my buddy bringing him over. If my buddy says he's cool, he's cool. I trust that about that guy, you know. Well, what I didn't know, and my friend didn't know either. This dude ate a bunch of pills before he came over, and they were fucking fentanyl laced. However, I went to the VA a couple months before, so guess who had a bunch of fucking Narcan? So this big fat motherfucker falls out. <laughs> so I'm Narcan him. He come to. I called the ambulance because I've learned you call the ambulance. You don't call the police department. That's you straight true. call the ambulance. The ambulance, if you straight call them, and the police department comes. Or the police department comes first, then it becomes a fucking situation. But if you call the ambulance first, that's a little trick for all you people out there. <laughs> <laughs> technically, technically, it's a law. Officers cannot arrest anybody that calls nine one one for a heroin for an OD. Now, I don't know. Really? If that's a, yeah, maybe that's just here in Kentucky, maybe. but I'm pretty. Um, but anyway, I called them, and and the cops did come after the the after we cleaned up my apartment and everything. No traces of shit, and. I said, look, man, this this dude came here like this, like I, and everybody there was like, yeah, he came here like this. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even know that guy's name, but I saved his life. That Narcan from the VA saved that man's life, bro. Man. He won't book. Man, so we're gonna get ready to end, brother. Let me, I'm gonna leave with uh, one question. If yeah, you sure. can give any advice. To somebody battling an addiction, what would it be? And also, if you could say anything to people judging people battling addiction, what would you tell them? Ooh. Anybody is battling addiction. I would say, I think the first thing that popped in my head was mm. be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. If if you're doing something that is is negatively affecting your life that you're consistently doing that's an addiction um i also tell them like if there a lot of times addiction comes with with uh, uh mental health issues or vice they man just go talk to somebody um it doesn't make you less of a man it doesn't make you less of a woman to talk to somebody to get uh, get your get your life back in order or to you know this is not a fun place to be in um, but it's also a hard place to get out of and I just pray that if you're battling addiction that you have somebody that you can talk to that can lead you in the right direction um uh aa meetings are every there's an aa meeting everywhere every night there's an aa meeting you can download this app it's called a meeting finder and it'll tell you every where every narcotics anonymous or every uh, alcoholics anonymous is in your area and what time they they come to uh gotta start somewhere and i would say that 
the AAs or the NAs are a good place to start. If you're not, if you don't have like, like we have where we can go to the VA and, and, you know, a therapist on hand, basically, you know, whenever we need them. Um, now for the, uh, judging of people who are addicts, none of us know what none of us, the rest of us go through in life. Uh, none of us, you know, we might know somebody to a certain extent, um, but you don't really know, know them. And then it, it, the addiction, according to medical stuff, it, it's like 8% of people um, that will try a substance will get addicted to a substance, right? So it's also a thing in your brain. Like it's also a... Hey, because I have it doesn't mean that you have it. Um, but it also doesn't mean that because the person, if, if a guy got prescribed Percocets because his arm was hanging off and then all of a sudden they cut him off Percocets, what's he supposed to do? What I mean, you know, you said it, you know how that feels and then you know how it feels to go through the, the withdrawal of it. So a lot of people don't become addicts because they're trying to become addicts. Nobody grows up wanting to be an addict. Exactly. The, I think big. I think big pharma and the FDA plays a plays a lot into a lot of these addictions. Like my my addiction was pharmaceutical stuff. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a. Um, I do cocaine. Like I said, I've done cocaine. I've done. But the stuff I really needed to get was the pharmaceutical stuff. Whether it be opiates, whether it be um, amphetamines, whatever. It was all stuff that was prescribed. Um, I don't know what rabbit hole I'm going down here. I'm just saying that you can't judge it. You just said it a minute ago. <laughs> a guy without a vice is somebody you need to fucking pay attention to. Not, <laughs> yep. not the guy with the vice. The guy with the vice is, is, is open enough to let you know that he has a vice. Or you'll never figure it out, right? I don't know, man. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just think that as human beings, we need to be more, we need to give each other more grace, man. Um, life is, life like is that. not easy. Life is not easy. And I will never knock another, this came from DMX. And I love DMX to death. God bless R.I.P. R.I.P. Earl Simmons, okay? I'll never knock what another man does to get by through a day. However he chooses to get through, just to get through the day, as long as it's not hurting somebody else, as long as I don't, I'll never knock that person because life is tough, man. Who are you to judge somebody else for how, who, who am I to judge you for the way you live your life? You live your life based on the circumstances and all the stuff that you come up in and, and how, you know, so don't, I don't know. I I just I've never judged. Period. Whether it be whatever the case might be, I don't judge people. Um, unless they're bigots and like races and weirdos like that, then I'm like still judging. Okay, something's up. <laughs> like, something's up. Something's up. It's just weird to me, you know. Um, yeah, it's strange, but no, nah, man, just give people some grace. Like, how about talk to them. How about find out why they ended up where they were or where they are instead of just looking at them and, and turning your nose up and shaking, you know, shaking your head at them. 
I don't know. That's really all I. I know I'm kind of rambling, but no, brother, you're, you're speaking from the heart, man. And I tell everybody, we're all just one bad decision, one bad paycheck away from being no different than that little brother. That's I true. know that because I've been there, man. It ain't it ain't fun, bro. None of it, man. But dude, I brother, I love you, man. I, I love you, you too, when I think of, you know, man. When I think about the guys I've served with next to you, like you, man, it makes me so proud, dude. So proud, man. This is this has been freaking great. Awesome, man. Like I, I said, you, you, brother, you hey, love you, man. You never lost my respect, bro. Even when I Thank found you out for I, I, me do this because I, I mentioned this to you before. I think I'm not I'm an open book, man. Like I'm not ashamed. I'm a. I feel like this helps me get through all this, also to just put it out there and let people know that you know it can happen to any of us. Um, I mean, there's there's people there's like I'm talking like officers, warrants. Uh, there was a DEA guy with me here. DEA, like it, it can happen to anybody, man. So. What I what I hope that doesn't happen for the people is if it, the judgment. Well, what does happen for the people though, is that they'll be judgmental and then it'll happen to their kid, mm. or their brother. Oof. And I, I don't mean to say that. I got it. I, do, I hope to God that doesn't happen. But I feel like that's what typically that does seems to go that way sometimes. Is the ones that give the most, like the most racist dude's daughter has a baby with a black dude, and then, and then now you know right. what I'm saying. And then yeah. he, but you know what I'm saying? Then, then, he, then he sees his grandkid and he's like, oh my God, I love my grandkid. And then all that shit goes away. You know? Just just be more open-minded to people and more caring of people. And Not every drug addict is a piece of... Not every drug addict, not every alcoholic is a piece of shit. Now, there are some Oh yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I would say the majority aren't. I would say the majority of people are just are trying to get through their life, man. And they went down a bad road, hard. and they just need to get out of it. So, oh, brother, you're on the right road, man. I'm gonna keep praying for you. I'm pulling for you. I'm in your corner, man. I'm sure plenty of our other brothers out there that if they hear this and listen to this, anybody that we serve with, shout out to Alpha Company Two Fourteen. Golden Dragon Terminators, baby. That's right, baby. Terminators, man. Proud to serve with all y'all hard charges like you, Paul. Still my dude, brother. brother. No matter what, brother. Got your back, man. I got your six, homie. I know. I'm gonna let you get to it, man. I'm gonna let you get back to it. Get get with your dog, man. He's bugging me. I think he's bugging. (laughs) Yeah, go take him out, man. All All right, man. I love you. Thank you for letting me do this, brother. Absolutely, man. You take care of yourself. I holler at you. All right. So when I talked to Paul earlier, I told him, hey, we're going to keep this down to like 45 minutes an hour. And man, as you can see, it's going on an hour and 34 minutes because, man, sometimes when it's just going and flowing, you you just got to let it go. And, bro, wow. I mean, it just, man, it just, whew. almost said a loss for words, yo. I just, man, that was something spe- special. And, and I hope a lot of people see this. Hope a lot of people absolutely share this message. I mean, we're all only people, and man, some of America's hardest chargers 
struggle with addiction, struggle with things we don't know, the things we see on social media. I tell people, you know, when you look at social media, it's always everybody's best life and everybody's best this and that. I'm going here, I'm going there. But we don't see behind the camera the struggles that people have. And oftentimes, even myself included, I'm horrible at this. I judge people a lot because of what I do for a profession. And I get a kind of a big head and a big nose and think I'm better than people. And I'm not going to lie. That's something I struggle with, yo. But I'm still a human and I'm no better than anybody else. And for me as a man of God, as a man of Christ, a Christian, Jesus is the great equalizer. And if we, it's easy to compare yourself to somebody that's down and out on their luck. But when I compare myself to Jesus Christ, I realize I'm no better than anybody that I'm judging that's down below me. And that, like I said, that's something I got to work on as something within me, just because it's what I, you know, it's part of my work and what I do. And it's one of my flaws, man. It's absolutely one of my flaws. But I love, I do love people, believe that. I love people and I love my boy, my boy, Paul Green, man. Proud to serve with guys like this, dude. Can't really see it behind me, but uh, yeah, I got our little little thing right here, a uh, little golden dragon, little sign right there, man. And proud to serve with these guys, man. Proud to be a veteran. Proud to have fought in the war on terror. I hate what the war on terror has done to a lot of these guys. You know, when they just, you know, turn to drugs and other things to help stop the demons and stop the pain, man. But you never count a soldier down and out. Never. Never count a soldier down and out. Because just when you think you got them in the corner, <laughs> they'll duck, dodge, and they'll get right out, man, and carry on with the mission, man. So to everybody I've served with, I love you all. To everybody that's served, love and respect you as well. And take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Show some grace and show some mercy to each other. And I'm taking that advice for myself as well. Because I know I can be harsh in my judgments of people. And actually, I'll forgive me for that. But. Man, whew, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitch podcast. What a great interview. And I'm going to drop the link and the information for the retreat that my boy's staying at. And so if you all want to go get help, I'm going to put that information in the link to the YouTube video and at the bottom of the podcast page. So definitely, definitely, if you know somebody that's struggling, if you know somebody that needs to change their life, that you're worried and concerned about and that you love, get in touch with the program, okay? All right, man, this has been the Iron Pits Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll see y'all on the next.